You are listening to the audio preaching podcast of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Fallbrook, California, pastored by James Christensen. Though located in the heart of Southern California, you will hear powerful, relevant, and life-changing preaching from the Word of God. Pastor Christensen believes that every Christian can reach their potential for the Lord. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The book of James deals with spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, uh, James chapter 5. The book of James really correlates with the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was not heavy in doctrinal content, but it really was very good at practical uh, biblical application, and it really uh, strengthened the, the growth of the disciples, and they were the early church leaders there. And so I want to look at some uh, truths from James chapter 1 here that I think will be a help and blessing to us as far as spiritual growth goes. And so let's read together, beginning of verse 1. Let's stand, we'll stretch our legs a little bit, look at the Bible, and I think it'll be a help to you. I'm glad I got my Bible with me this morning. And so uh, Pastor Christensen can't give me a hard time anymore. I didn't bring it Saturday. So James chapter 1, verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If you like to mark in your Bible, uh, you can. Otherwise, take note of verse 2, count it all joy. We're going to look at that. Verse 3, knowing this. Verse 4, let patience. And then verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith. And so those two verses there are correlating together, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so there's a lot of real good biblical truth in the introduction to this book that's really focused on spiritual growth. And the people that James was ministering to were under heavy persecution, and they had become scattered and uh, God was using him to uh, try to bring some healing and some spiritual growth to their heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we sure love you. And what a joy it is to be at Cornerstone Baptist Church, Fallbrook, California, uh, with our new friends here. God, I thank you for the way that you've blessed and enriched our lives through them and this ministry. And I mean that sincerely. And I pray, God, now that you would give me wisdom to help communicate Bible truth that would uh, pierce every heart. And uh, Lord, that you would... Uh, uh, strengthen us spiritually, challenge us spiritually, uh, Lord, edify uh, us and uh, convict us. And uh, Lord, I pray that we'd be greater servants of you. May we grow spiritually because what we hear this morning from your word is my prayer. But we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll let you be seated. Years ago, I heard about a family that lived way, way back in the woods. I mean, so far back in the woods, they didn't have indoor plumbing. And uh, there was a little boy, and as he got older, he got sick and tired of the outhouse because that's what they had to use. That's how far back in the woods they were. And so uh, the boy, as he grew older, he, he tried to tell his dad, Dad, let's do an addition. You know, we've, we, we can do this. You know, we can add a, a bathroom to the house and whatnot. And his dad wouldn't listen, had other priorities and whatnot. And so one spring, as the snow melted, the creek near the outhouse began to swell. And this year it swelled a little more than normal. It was right up to the back of the outhouse. And the boy had grown enough that he 
was so courageous. I think he came to one of the services here and learned about being courageous with the theme and the 2021 Courageous, Only Be Strong and Very Courageous. So he decided to push that outhouse into the creek. And he watched that outhouse float down the creek, and he was so proud of himself. Until dinner that night, he's sitting at the table with his dad, and his dad was not happy. Oh boy, did dad look upset. And so he's having his meal, and he looks over there at his dad. His dad finishes his meal, pushes his plate away from the table, and looks across the, uh, the table at his son. He said, son, somebody pushed the outhouse in the creek today, and I think that somebody was you. And oh boy, the son put his head down and just kind of played with his food a little bit, you know, and he thought he was trying to be quick on his feet. He said, you know, dad, I, re I heard about in school how George Washington's father forgave him for cutting down that cherry tree because he was honest with his dad and told him the truth that he chopped down the cherry tree. And so dad, I'm going to tell you, I was the one who pushed the outhouse into the creek. Will you please forgive me? And the dad looked across at his son. He said, son, you're going to have to still go out back behind the woodshed because George Washington's father was not in the cherry tree when he chopped it down. So he let that sink in a little bit. You know, in life, sometimes things can seem to get a little bit messy. And uh, here we see that happening. James is really speaking to the first century Christians. They were under this great uh, persecution. And he gives them uh, the formula for spiritual growth and how to be victorious even through difficult circumstances. And all through the Bible, we have examples of people who turn defeat into victory. Instead of becoming victims, they were victors. And I think this morning of some great examples, I think of the example of your pastor and pastor's wife and uh, how God has raised them up in this day for such a time as this and, and how God has blessed and used their lives greatly through very difficult challenges. And, uh, and so this morning we're going to look at some biblical ingredients. How are we going to have victory in this day and in this hour? First of all, I want you to notice with me a remarkable spirit. James says there in verse number one, count it all, verse two, excuse me, my brethren, count it all joy. And uh, you've heard that statement, you know, uh, our outlook determines our outcome and such like. But the reality is, it, the Bible doesn't say if you fall into diverse temptations, it says when. And so the reality is difficult challenges and various testings are going to come. The Christian that thinks that the Christian life is going to be easy sailing is in for a big surprise. And so uh, there are challenges in this life, and there's so many verses that I could quote for you, but for the sake of time, I'll just give you maybe one or two. I like what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 12. He said, Brethren, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. And so we're in a spiritual battle. The Bible teaches us that, the book of Ephesians. And, and in this spiritual battle, we've got the old world and uh, that society that's apart from God, that, uh, the mindset of Antichrist and everything that's godly and holy and righteous. Uh, it goes against. And then we have our own flesh internally. Our flesh does not want to yield itself to the Word of God and be filled with the Spirit. It doesn't want to be in church. And it doesn't want to tithe, and it doesn't want to serve the Lord. It wants to be selfish and self-centered, and, and it wants to do things uh, on its own. And uh, then we have the old devil that wants to destroy us and discourage us. But the word count in verse 2, count it all joy, is a financial term that James uses here, to, and it's, it deals with the term to evaluate. And he's saying, look, you've got to evaluate your life. Paul used the same term in Philippians chapter 3 about evaluating, when you become a Christian, you have to evaluate your life and set some new goals 
and new priorities. And uh, when you trust Christ as your Savior, it's amazing how what used to be important is no longer important. And uh, what used to not be important all of a sudden becomes very important to us. And when we face trials in life, we need to evaluate them in light of the fact that God is at work and there's something spiritual He wants to do for us. It's not something that God is doing to us. All right? There are some people that will look at COVID and say, well, look at all the people that haven't been saved and look at all the people that are out of church and look at all the havoc and all the problems that it's caused. And I would uh, wholeheartedly agree with the fact that, yeah, there's some difficult things and some heartbreaking things that have happened through all of this, but the reality is a spiritual person looks through the lens of faith and says God is at work and He has something very big that He wants to do. How can we continue to grow? Devoted Christians have joy through the midst of trials because they live for eternal values. Even the Lord Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. And so our values determine our evaluations. In other words, if we, if we value comfort more than we value character, then trials will get us all upset. All right, And if we value the material and the physical more than the spiritual, we'll not be able to count it all joy. And uh, if we focus on the present, forget about the future or the eternal, then trials that come into our life will make us bitter inside instead of better Christians. And that's what God desires to do in each one of our lives. I love that song, Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes because He knows each step of each path that I take. So how is it possible to have joy in the midst of difficult trials and, tempt, and, and temptations. And I would say this, because as, as God's people, as Christians, there's something that we know that the world does not know. And that leads me to my second thought, verse number three, knowing this. There needs to be a renewed understanding. Paul talked about that in uh, Romans chapter 12, be, be renewed. It's the Word of God that brings that renewal. So we know something. What do Christians, though, that make it easier for us to face trials and benefit from them. Well, we know that, that our faith will always be tested. <laughs> Think about when God called Abraham, uh, and he lived by faith, right? And he tested him in order to increase his faith. In other words, God will test us because he's striving to bring the best out in us, while Satan will tempt us to bring out the worst in us. What God desires to be a stepping stone, Satan wants to throw it at us to be a stumbling block. And the testing of our faith proves our dependency upon God. Uh, in other words, we never learn faith in comfortable surroundings. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. But that leads me to another thought under the same topic here. T test in these trials do not work against us. They work actually for us. Um, 1 Peter 1.7 says the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. And the word trial there means approval of our faith. It's more precious than of gold. Uh, there was a massive uh, rush to California in the mid-1800s. We know that as the California gold rush, right? Everybody wanted that gold. But, but when you stop and look at the context of the Word of God, God is really impressed uh, with uh, our trials when we have faith in Him. His presence is near and close to us. 
And during the California gold rush, oftentimes they would take a sample of this, they called it this ore, to the assayer's office to have it approved or to have an official statement about it. And oftentimes that ore wasn't worth very much, maybe a few cents or even a few dollars. But what that did was it proved whether or not it was real, genuine gold, and it put value on the property that, the, that they had. In other words, did they have a mine of gold that was profitable? And God's approval this morning of your faith and mine through difficult and challenging circumstances is very precious. And it, what it does is it assures us that our faith is real. In other words, they work for us, not against us. We often quote Romans 8.28, right? All things work together for what? Good. Absolutely. But the verse starts off with, and we know. And we know that all things work together for good. And that's the point that I'm trying to make this morning. It's the fact that we as God's people know something the world doesn't know. That's how we can handle circumstances like this. By the way, that's why the world, in my opinion, is a lot softer today than it was a year and a half ago and they're a little more open today than they were. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, for our light affliction. It didn't matter how difficult your affliction is, and Paul went through some steep affliction. He called it light. And then he said this, which is but for a moment. Even if it feels like this trial is lasting forever, he says in, in light of eternity, it's light. In light of eternity, it's just for a moment. But then he said this, worketh for us. In other words, our trials are working in our favor. And so as we respond properly to them, they help us to grow and mature uh, in a wonderful way. So why, why is it that God does this? Because He wants to produce patience in our lives. Patience is a spiritual endurance, all right? You don't stay at a ministry as long as your pastor has without going through some challenges and learning and growing in this area of patience, it's the ability to keep going when things are difficult. Patience is not a passive acceptance of our circumstances. It's a courageous, that's the theme, it's a courageous perseverance in the face of adversity and suffering and difficulties. You see, immature people are impatient people. But mature people, they're patient and they're persistent, all right? Impatience and unbelief goes together just as faith and patience goes together. I'll give you a couple of verses. Hebrews 6 verse 12 says, Who through faith and patience inherited the promise. Isaiah 28, 16, the latter part says, He that believeth shall not make haste. So I'm just simply saying that patience and, and uh, 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 persistence, these things go together, or faith and patience goes together just as unbelief and the impatience goes together. So God wants to help us to grow spiritually, but He wants to develop patience in our life because patience is the key to so many blessings in the Christian life. Learning to have this, this, this courageous perseverance, all right, that goes along with your theme again. Moses ran ahead of God and killed a man. He spent 40 years in the wilderness, all right? Abraham ran ahead of the Lord. He married Hagar and brought great sorrow. By the way, we're still feeling the aftershocks of that hasty decision today. We have to understand that. You see, the primary vehicle that God uses to develop our patience and spiritual character are the trials and testings that He allows in our life. They've been filtered through the hands of God, and God has a purpose and a plan for all of them. 
And so this type of spiritual maturity is something that doesn't come from reading a book. It doesn't come from uh, praying a prayer. It doesn't come from uh, you know listening to a sermon. And all of these are good things to do. But it's going through these trials and being patient and letting God do a work in our lives that brings that spiritual growth. We have to go through the difficulties of life, learn to trust God and be obedient to Him through that, and it builds patience. Knowing this, we can face our trials joyfully because we know what our our trials are going to do in us, and then we know what our trials are going to do for us, that the end result will bring glory to God. So God has a purpose for our trials, and He fulfills His purpose as we trust Him. There's no substitute for a renewed mind, all right? Satan easily defeats Christians that are ignorant about the Word of God, and we understand that. So we see that we have to have a remarkable spirit. I love your pastor. He's got a remarkable spirit, amen? We have to have, secondly, a renewed understanding, knowing this. There's some things we know that the world doesn't know. But then thirdly, there needs to be a radical surrender, a radical surrender. Look at verse 4. The Bible says in Verse number four, it says, uh, but let patience have her perfect work. That word perfect there means completing or maturing. And so James is very clearly saying, look, be happy when you go through trials and these temptations and these testings, all right? Because you ought to know some things the world doesn't know. Your trials are going to work for you, not against you. God is doing something in you because he's going to do something greater through you. And you can have this patience, endurance, and you can have this joy, but uh, you gotta ha- you got to let patience, all right? You've got to be surrendered to what God is trying to teach you through this trial, all right? And so that's important for us to understand. We've got to learn from that. God doesn't build our character spiritually without our cooperation. If we resist Him, He will often chasten us, but if we submit to what He's doing, He'll accomplish His work in our life. He's not satisfied with a job halfway done. Pastor, you don't like jobs that are halfway done. Neither does God. And God looks at you and I. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so the more He is allowed to work in us, the more then He can work through us. And God wants a completed or a perfect work, a finished product. So years ago, I was at McDonald's with my wife, and the kids were very young. They were running around. They were playing in the, in the playhouse there at McDonald's. And my wife and I were having lunch. We were finishing up, watching the kids, and I didn't spend a lot of time in McDonald's. And I didn't spend it the time, and I still don't, but a lot of time in the grocery store. My wife tells me later that these types of things happen all the time, which was a surprise to me. And this happened probably 10, at least 10 years ago, or more, probably 15 years ago. And so we finished up, and, we, and I look over, and there's this kid that evidently had something lodged in his throat, and he hit the floor, and his face is turning purple, and his arms are just swinging back and forth, hitting the ground, his legs are. And, and very quickly, I jumped up, and I rushed over to the kid, and as I'm coming down upon him to think about, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to come behind him, you know, the Heimlich or whatever, trying to get that unlodged? I'm noticing how calm, cool, and collected the mom is next to the boy on the ground there. And as I got to him, I'm panicked and I'm saying, what's wrong? And she said, oh, nothing's wrong. He just doesn't want to leave the play area. And Pastor Christensen is a much better Christian than I he always responds properly and says the right thing at the right time. But I don't always do that. And I said, you let him do that? 
That just kind of came out of my mouth. And boy, I got an earful after that, let me tell you. And you know, we live in a day where kids just throw a fit, you know, and they do it in the stores, and they do it everywhere they go, and parents let them, really. They let them do that. And uh, she got really upset with me about it, and I got to thinking later, you know, the only thing worse I can think of than a kid throwing a temper tantrum is watching adults today who do the same thing to God. God's goals for our life include spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. Many Christians try to shelter themselves from the trials of life, and they don't submit to what God is trying to do in them to mature them because He has something greater for them. Ephesians chapter 2, 8-10, through 10, For by grace are you saved through faith. That word saved, that's the work God's done for us. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not a work lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship. That's the work God does in us. Creating Christ Jesus unto good works. That's the work God does through us. All right? We could go on about that. The work He does for us is salvation. The work He does in us is sanctification. The work He does through us is service. God spent 25 years working in Abraham before He gave him a promised son. God worked 13 years in Joseph's life before, and then probably 20 years before He put him on the throne uh, there in Egypt. God worked 80 years preparing Moses for 40 years of service, and He spent three, Jesus spent three and a half years with His disciples. Uh, trying to develop and grow their character. And God will not work in us without our surrender. There has to be a surrendered will. A mature Christian isn't arguing with God. They're, they accept willful, willingly and joyfully, as Ephesians 6, 6 says, doing the will of God from the heart. So, we've looked at a remarkable spirit, a renewed understanding, knowing this, a radical surrender. Let patience have a perfect work. Lastly, we have to have a real faith. Verse 5 and 6, if any man lack wisdom, and then verse, six, verse uh, 6, let him ask in faith. So what is this talking about? In other words, wisdom is the right use of, of knowledge and understanding applied. We looked at that a little bit in Sunday school, and I felt like these went together. I wasn't planning to teach this as my Sunday school lesson. In fact, the guys have heard this already, and I apologize to them, but I felt like it's what God had for this church for this hour, all right? And, and so I, I wanted to be obedient to the Lord because I've worked really hard for them to hear new material. But... Um, but as we stop and consider this, why do we need to have wisdom? What are we asking God for wisdom? Why not ask God to, you know, like some people, God, take COVID away. You know, that was the prayer. Dry up the virus. we got to get through COVID. Lord, please remove this pestilence from us. Instead of, Lord, will you give me the wisdom to learn what you're trying to teach me through this trial? because I know that there's something you want to do through it to glorify yourself. And that's what the Bible here is teaching us. We need the wisdom not to waste the opportunities that God gives to us to mature and to grow to be more like Christ. And wisdom helps us to understand how to use the circumstances that God brings in our life and have the joy to use them for our good and for the glory of God. And the greatest enemy to unanswered prayer, having that wisdom, is not having a belief system, knowing this, that God is doing something great. I look at the circumstances of our day and hour, and I'm heartbroken for every child that's been abused in multiple ways. I'm, I'm heartbroken about drug addiction, and, I'm, and on and on the list could go. It's just un, it's, it's, it's unimaginable. But I do know this. I know that God knows all things, and He's still on the throne. And I know that no matter what you are going through, 
God wants to use your trials as a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. Do you have a joyful attitude? Do you have a renewed understanding knowing this? Are you surrendered to the Lord for Him to accomplish what He wants to accomplish? The reality is this. In college, when a student fails to pass a class, if it's a required course, they have to take it again till they pass. And in the Christian life, it's all required courses. And I've watched Christians, Pastor, and you could testify, they take the same test over and over and over and over and over, and they never grow spiritually. It's so sad to watch. May God help you and I to learn the lessons and have the wisdom to ask in faith, God, I don't want to be like a ship that's tossed to and fro. Lord, I want to see you do the miraculous in this day and hour. Thank you for listening to this preaching podcast from Cornerstone Baptist Church. We hope that you were encouraged. For more information about our ministry, you can find us online at cornerstonefallbrook.org.